What's up, guys? This is Hunter. I'm back with the Breaking Point podcast. Uh, today, I've got a good friend of mine. Um, we met back at a master. I guess it was a, not really a mastermind. What was that? More of a live event. Yeah, more like a live event that he was. What did you call DJ in it? <laughs> oh, oh, that. Yeah. Oh, uh, MC in that. MC. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought so, you were talking about something else. <laughs> Because that is when we met, right? Yeah, it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I completely forgot about that. So today we have Chase Goggins on. Um, he owns the Hustle Co. and he's also a real estate agent here in the Atlanta metro area. Um, you know, he's he's about he's pretty much my age, um, young, hungry, um, extremely good at what he does. You know, my wife and I had been looking at trying to find some land and some you know, selling a house and stuff like that. And he's been a tremendous help with us. Like I've learned more sitting with him in one day than I've learned with any other real estate pretty much the rest of my life. So Chase, thanks for coming on. Um, I'm excited to have you here and kind of, I guess, start with the easy stuff and let, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, kind of where you're from, uh, how old you are, married, and that type of stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Well, not married, so we could start there, but <laughs> but no, man, I appreciate it. Um, I think it's super cool with with uh, what you're doing with this podcast too. I know you've got some some heavy hitters on here, so I'm honored to be part of it. But yeah, like you said, my name is Chase Scroggins. I'm 27 years old. Grew up in Loganville, Georgia, and uh, moved around. You know, been in lived in Buford, lived in Swanee, um, Lawrenceville. And now I'm currently out in Alpharetta. So I uh, sell homes and started up the Hustle Co. Um, officially launched that in August of 2021. So a lot of, lot of stuff going right now, but um, you know, just excited, man. It's a fun time. You know, it's crazy how you can leverage you know, technology and social media so much now to, to handle even two things at once. Oh yeah. So. I know you've had people on here that handle like freaking 20 things at once. So, uh, but yeah, man, it's just having fun. Nice. So I'll, we'll start with the, the hustle co. Um, how did that kind of come about? So for you guys that don't know chase or don't know what hustle co is, um, I guess it started as a coffee company, correct? Mm-hmm. And I guess it kind of grew into more of like a lifestyle company with clothing and things of that nature as well. I guess what, what kind of gave you that idea and where did that start from? So it was kind of, I guess if I back up even further for several years now, like at one point I wanted to open a gym and then I wanted to like, I've always been fascinated with supplements and through like being into the gym and all that, like I've tried all kinds of supplements like mm. and, and kind of like, I wouldn't call myself an expert on it, but I learned a ton about supplements just by accident, by using them and um, got to the point where I thought, hey, I could totally do this and build a brand off of supplements. Now that idea, you know, I kind of tucked it down deep and then it kind of resurfaced and I was doing 75 hard, doing a lot of walks, listening to a bunch of audio books and came across this book called 12 months to 1 million and it was all about building out a brand uh, that you can take to a larger scale and you know build to the point where you could even exit for 
you know, nine figure exits. Right. You know, it's a, he used a lot of, in the book, they used the case studies of Black Rifle Coffee and yeah. uh, First Form Native Deodorant, yeah. you know, companies yeah. that just built incredible brands. So that's when it really came back to me and I started learning about the structure of it. Mm-hmm. So the Hustle Co. was funny is I didn't have a logo, I didn't have the name until I had the whole framework of the company, like, I had the whole vision before I ever had a name or even a logo. And the way that um, I broke it down was I knew that I wanted to have four to five products and I'd roll uh, one out one at a time. Mm-hmm. And eventually I'd have this brand of products that you know were supplements basically. And it started with a coffee product. So not a coffee company, um, Basically, it's a performance optimization company. It just starts with a coffee product. Nice. When you're building a brand, you want to start with the first product that makes the most sense for your target audience. Mm-hmm. My target audience is, it really started off as myself, but uh, basically my audience is extremely hard workers. It's people who hustle, it's people yeah. who get up every day and they want to go get more. And those types of people typically need a higher level of energy. Their their energy output is higher than your average person. Right. So their energy like intake needs to be higher too. So for me personally, at the time, you know, I spent the last few years running around like crazy as a real estate agent, always on the road, always needing to keep my energy level super high so that when I sit down face to face with somebody, I'm giving them my best like enthusiastic self. Right. And you know, like, you know, emotion, you have to be able to convey that emotion and you're not going to be able to work with somebody if you're just like dead and tired and boring. (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, I would all, I found myself stopping at like quick trip and racetrack every day yeah and my only options were besides that was starbucks which i love which uh, is, but it's not healthy for you and it's expensive as crap when it's you buy it every day freaking seven dollars <laughs> for some coffee that tastes really good but it, in reality it's terrible for you because it just you get on the sugar high yeah it spikes and then it crashes and you just crash yeah and i found the same thing with you know all the other energy drinks out there they give you that short little high but then you crash so I started looking at myself and I was like, I want to build a brand that scratches my own itch, if you will, but at the same time is going to impact people that are just like me. Um, So I wanted to start with a coffee product, something that when you get up early in the day, you can take it, drink it, and it's not going to give you the crash. It's going to give you a higher level of energy, but more important than that, like a mental focus. Right. If you can have extreme focus, I mean, you can get so much done compared to, you know, if you're just like lethargic and, and not in the zone. So yeah. that's kind of how it started. Okay. So <clears throat> I guess with that and creating and reading and researching and stuff, do you feel like that kind of stuff on the back end kind of help you with real estate, just the mindset and the structure and everything? I think it's helped with the branding aspect for sure, Mm -hmm. because what it forced me to do was start putting out like a new idea to a very specific audience Mm -hmm. without any kind of like reassurance that people are going to like it. Right. So it proved to me that 
if you've got something that you believe in and you do enough research on your target audience and you know them inside and out, mm-hmm. then when you present it, it's going to work. People yeah. are going to like it. And now, not everybody's going to like it, but chances are the people who don't like it, they're not in your Being audience anyways. Yeah. So <laughs> it's definitely helped with real estate now as I've like started to do more stuff with you, more video work right. and like educating the consumer and stuff like that. It's definitely helped with the branding aspect of real estate. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So you were already in Apex when you started yeah. Hustle Co, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So for those of you guys that don't know, Chase and I, Todd, you know, that I had on the podcast last, we're all part of a entrepreneur group called Apex Entourage. Um, there's three different levels of it, but when you hear the statement, your network is your net worth, there has never been a more, more true statement in the entrepreneur world. Like I remember like when I first started my company, like I remember specifically thinking to myself, like I, like I can't be the only person that let this thinking the way that I think, like I'm always thinking of the next thing. What issue can I fix? What are people asking for? What are the echoes that I hear over and over again? And it's like, it's a lonely world when you first start because you don't really know any other business owners. And then as you start meeting them, you're like, you start learning. But Apex is, I think you and I have learned well beyond what we pay to be a part of that membership. Oh, yeah. Um, so in, in case you, you'll probably hear myself talk about Apex quite a bit because I'll, I'm sure I'll have a few of the people on from Apex. So I just want to kind of give you guys a heads up of what that is. There's a couple other ones out there that I think Arate. Mm-hmm. Syndicate, I think, is one of them. What's yeah, Arte. Lions um, not cheap. There's a there's a few good ones now, but Apex is. But, yeah, is, I think Apex is definitely. I think they yeah they run it better than any of them. I think. Yeah. So with that being said, when you when you're in Apex and you're around all those people and you're kind of meeting and greeting and talking, was that kind of was that a big influence on starting Hustle? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Um, back in so I've been in Apex since February of 2019, and at the time was like completely lost. And like you said, I had nobody around me that mm-hmm. I didn't even know what I was getting into. And <laughs> and to be honest, I don't even know how I ended up out in Dallas at this thing, you know. But I'm glad I did because it literally changed the whole traje- trajectory of my life. Oh, like yeah. I know that sounds crazy, but it's true. But. Um, yeah, by February of 2021, yeah, 2021, um, I moved up to, actually, I went out there, I'm sorry, May of 2021, I moved up to that, you mentioned the levels, I moved yep. up to that next level, the apex entrepreneur level. The reason I did is because I wanted to be around these people more, and they offered four quarterly meetups, so that was an right. opportunity for me to get out there, get around these people more often. And when I went out there, I went out there without having like my own business. You know, I was selling, you know, 40 homes a year, but I was on a team. It wasn't my thing. Right. And um, I would take these trainings and it was amazing information, but I didn't really have much to apply it to. Mm -hmm. That makes sense because it was all about like scaling and how to implement like how to build systems and SOPs and right. getting your core values right your mission statement like all kind of stuff that I just didn't have anything to apply it to so 
the hustle co came in part from like 75 hard and the books that i was listening to and the ideas coming back and then that little seed like apex was like an incubator for that seed yeah and i'll never forget i was at one of those events and my uh, my buddy rob lewis who was like my first friend in apex that i met back in 2019 um, dude, super successful and, and probably one of the greatest people I know at scaling and, and doing big numbers without even sweating over it. Right. Blows my mind. But um, I remember we were at, we were having dinner and I was like, yo, I want to like, I want to start this. And what do you think about the name, The Hustle Co.? And I kind of laid it out for him and <laughs> it was kind of pitching him the whole business. And yeah. he was just like, you have to do it. You have to do it. And like, I didn't even have that kind of confidence yet, but he instantly was like, do it. And that's the power of, like you said, your network is your net worth. Just like being around the right people that will encourage you to do certain things because a lot of times, if you're around the wrong people, they'll just shoot it down. And yeah, and, and sometimes it's not even necessarily the wrong people. Sometimes it's even people that you've known your whole life, your best friends with, whether it's family, whether it's your best friend, they, if they don't have that mindset, they're not going to agree with you. And they're going to bring up everything that's, that's pessimistic about the situation, not to like discourage you from it, True. but to, they care. They got to protect they care. you. They're, they're trying to protect and say, you know, it's not the normal. It's yep. not normal for your significant other or for your best friend or for your son or your daughter to come to you and say, Hey, I, like I'm, I'm quitting my nine to five. I'm going to start my own company. Like the first thing that comes to my mind, well, what are you going to do about a consistent paycheck? What are you going to do about insurance? Like all these, mm-hmm. everyone's, everyone that cares about you is going to like question you. And what about this? What about that? And just bring all this negative shit, yeah. you know, into your mind versus you go to Apex and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm thinking about this. You're like, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, what are you waiting on? Yeah. Like, oh, shit. I don't know. <laughs> probably 80% of them be like, Hey, let's do it together. Like I'll give you some money. You know what I mean? Like that that's the power of apex like you know you and i have had many coffee meetings where we'll sit down and like i know i've got just from our conversations i'm like holy crap that's that's a good idea like that's something i can do that can make my company better you know Mm -hmm. um it's the network that you're around you know like the old saying if you you know and i've said it before if you're around five bums you're gonna be the six if you're around five millionaires you're gonna be the six you know um and that's the power of, of networking and, and being around people that are just as driven and stuff as you are. So that's awesome. So we'll kind of get, we'll go on to real estate now. Um, for the Hustle Co., I would highly recommend you guys looking them up. They've got some super cool apparel. The coffee will be dropping, what, next month? Yep, yep, okay. in February. It's supposed to be early February, but... We will see. Yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> definitely in February. Though. Yeah, just kind of follow Chase or the Hustle Co. and they'll keep you updated. And I highly recommend their newsletters too because it's always a good motivation to get on Mondays. Hey, I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad you're reading them, bro. I forget about them. I'm just like you know writing them and banging them out and get them out. And uh, it always well, people will reach out and they're like, "Hey, I really love the newsletter this morning." I'm like, "Shit, I thought I was the only one reading them." You know, <laughs> that's funny. So, with the real estate stuff, how did you what like why what made you want to do real estate Oof. when you were what 21 years old? I guess when you 
started yeah. that track? Yeah, what man. What made you at 21 years old decide to be a real estate agent? That's a long story, but I'll, I'll <laughs> hit the highlights for you and make it short. Basically, back in 2013, I was in, I was in my sophomore year of college at Georgia Southern and pretty much had reached the point where I wanted to drop out. I didn't see the value anymore. I had went from wanting to be a doctor to wanting to be a little bit less than a doctor to wanting to be even less than that and be an athletic trainer. And then I was like, you know what, what's business about? And I had a roommate actually who was pretty into business and uh, he was definitely influential to me. He was he's a genius, the dude's super smart. So he introduced me to a lot of stuff, including real estate. And it started off with like him showing me YouTube videos of wholesaling and stuff on real estate or um, on YouTube. And um, anyways, one thing led to another. I let my grades slip. I quit going to class. And just out of complete like being super naive and young and like I I had a lot of great ideas, but I, I lacked so much. I didn't know shit, basically. Right. So I couldn't execute at the level that. I needed to execute on to pull that off and uh, shit hit the fan pretty quickly and there was a I was already in a real estate and they UGA had a real estate degree so UGA became University of Georgia became like my saving grace if you will that was like my second chance to get my act together um, and I already liked real estate so there was a degree in real estate and um, that was such a big deal in my family mm-hmm. just because of the dynamic of my family. Neither one of my parents graduated high school, you know, and they busted their tails to get where they are today. And honestly, they they taught me a shit ton about hard work, mm-hmm. you know, and just persevering. But it was their dream to see me graduate college. And at the time, um, I kind of backtracked a little bit, was like, all right, you know what? I'll finish. I'll get a degree at least it's in real estate, something that I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. So that's um, how I got to that point. In my last, right before my last semester of college, we had to get six hours worth of internship credits. And everybody in my classes were taking these analyst positions in Atlanta, you know, working for these big firms that uh, basically they were going to be making eight bucks an hour having to travel to Atlanta, sit in a cubicle and crunch numbers and creating like performas and cash flow projections and, you know, analyzing rent rolls and shit like that. Right. Yeah. Would have driven me fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. So I went to the the department, which the department of the real estate uh, degree or whatever was actually one of my professors. And I went to him and I was like, Hey man, what if I get my real estate license and sell some houses? Would that work? And he kind of shot it down. He was like, you know, nobody's ever done this. Like, uh, but it's not impossible if you can sell. He's like, basically, you have to make the same amount of money that these kids are making or else you don't get your six hour credit and you'll graduate late. Basically, me being naive and young again, I was like, fuck it, I can do it. I get, (laughs) you know, summer is what? Like summer is barely two months. Right. In between uh, the end of spring semester and the beginning of fall semester. Right. So I have two months to pull this off, basically. And I failed my real estate test twice because I was stu- I was always a good test taker, but I was studying the wrong stuff. Yeah. Finally got the right stuff, passed it. I finally passed. Um, it was like June. <laughs> 
June 11th or something of 2016. And I went and started working with this like mom and pop brokerage, super cool guy, but I wasn't really taught a lot. I was given like a list of homes that were withdrawn from the market or like expired because they didn't sell. And he was like, all right, just print these out and just write on here. Like, you know, we'll sell your house or we'll buy it guaranteed. And they put a sticky note on top that says, hey, I can sell your house. Like, give me a call. It was some bullshit like that. <laughs> and it worked. I sent them out. And like a week later, this lady calls me. Turns out she had fired her agent because they had a disagreement. I went out to her house. It was like the sweetest lady ever, but it was going through some crazy like divorce drama. Yeah. And I'm telling you, bro, she vented to me for like an hour and a half straight. So you went from being a real estate agent to a therapist. And never looked back because <laughs> that's pretty much 90% of the job now. <laughs> but uh, it was cool, though, because I actually enjoy that. I like to get people to open up and um, just be there for people, man. And 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 she needed that. She needed a friend yeah. is what yeah. it was. And the other agent wasn't willing to do that. Just So we sat down. She poured her heart out. And basically, at the end of it, was like, where do I sign? And, you know, we got the agreement going, got it on the market sold it in like a week which was awesome for back then now it's like very normal even kind of a long time um but yeah that was it man and after after that i decided i didn't want to be on that side of the business and got really interested in new construction and after college i worked with a home builder man after that bounced around to different brokerages right kind of got lost again and in being really really lost and going through some like honestly some struggles like going broke a couple different times like a mm. couple failed businesses on the side like just beating my head against the wall that is how i ran into finding apex right and then from there it took off yeah you know 2019 and then um in 2020 was my first like six figure year right and um you know here we are but and now you're on your own because you were with a one brokerage for a while for a good bit and now you went on your own like towards like i guess towards the end of last year yeah well it's been right at a month yeah okay it's been like right at a month now um yeah i was with a i was on a team for basically three years and it was awesome, you know, learned a ton of stuff, really found like my rhythm, mm-hmm. found my style, um, got some confidence, you know, it was awesome. And it really just came down to a personal decision of like, hey, I think I'm ready for a bigger challenge now. Mm-hmm. I realized I'd kind of gotten comfortable at a certain level of um, impact and a certain right. level of income. and. Um, I looked at my goals and said, hey, I want to do more than that. So something's got to change, you know, Yeah. or else nothing will change. Yeah. And uh, now I know myself and Brian were two of the people that you kind of were slinging that off of about starting on your going out on your own. Was that for people that are stuck in that nine to five or stuck into doing that job that you know, yours was a little, even a little more difficult because you really, you didn't, you know, it's not like you didn't like it. Um, it was just, you wanted to, your to grow within yourself and to grow your income and that type of thing. So that was a decision you had to make. 
but there's a lot of people that just kind of get stuck in their their nine to five and stuff like that like what was kind of your mindset to like okay like i just need to go and i just need to make that step and just do it instead of making excuses and that type of thing um i had a lot of great influences not with the decision itself Mm -hmm. but with being able to think bigger and understand like what's possible like i started to get around people i mean i found myself on a private jet with like people that are making you know multi multi millions every single year yeah and they're normal people man they're they're, they've got a crazy amount of focus crazy work ethic um and they just get shit done but getting around stuff like that made me realize like what i could really do if i believed in myself Mm -hmm. but the decision itself came down to i realized that i was honestly just delaying the inevitable yeah which was building myself up building my own brand that kind of thing yeah and for me holding on and being scared to take the jump I was essentially wasting time yeah. because no matter what, it's going to be hard. It's never going to be the right time. Yeah. It's, it's, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have to overcome certain obstacles. It's just, are you going to do that now or are you going to wait five years and yeah. then do it? Because then in five years, it's probably going to be even more difficult. Yeah. Well, in my, in my instance, 12 years, that's how long I was in a job that I was miserable at. Damn. You know, I mean, I was miserable. Like, but the problem was, is that I, like, I didn't have a college degree. I didn't have any, like, really certain particular set of skills that I was really good at. Um, so, and I, and I was in the trucking industry, you know, and it, it, I was making enough money to where I couldn't just go somewhere else laterally and, and make the same thing that I was making and doing something that I might enjoy a little better. Um, and that's kind of when, you know, I started doing the marketing stuff about, well, the last like four years of the trucking side, I was doing a lot of marketing. You know, I started doing videos and running social medias and stuff like that. Um, and I was out like instead of just coming home and watching TV or, you know, just being lazy, I would spend a couple hours a day and try to learn how to do videos or try to learn how to learn research and read articles on marketing and stuff like that. Um, and that's kind of how it started with me. But I mean, I waited 12 years to make that decision, but I knew from like the first week of being in that shit, I was like, I don't like, I don't want to do this, but I did it for like 12 years. Damn. You know, like, and that's something that, and that's why I kind of started this podcast was like to show people like, it's not as scary as, you, as you're making it to be. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you turn the lights off downstairs and people run upstairs when you're a kid because you don't want to get attacked by anything, yep. nothing ever happened. It's just <laughs> you, fear, man. Yep, it's just fear. It's just getting over that that initial fear. Like, yes, you probably will fail at some point. At some point in the business, you will fail. But it doesn't, like, as long as the the wins outcome the losses, it it's 100% worth it. Dude, I'll tell you something, too, that literally maybe changed my whole life at this point is the guy I mentioned earlier, Rob Lewis. Mm -hmm. I told you he's like, so he took a scaffolding company from literally zero to they're doing like something crazy, like 20 million in in the first year. It was something crazy (laughs) off of scaffolding. Right. And uh, dude knows everything there is to know about scaffolding. But I finally asked him one day, I was like. Dude, you're 
like in my opinion, I haven't heard anybody else talk about big numbers the way you talk about them. And like, cause I mean, this guy, I do have another buddy, you know, Brian. Yeah. So his, I mean, he's got like $700,000 a month in expenses or something crazy like that. Yeah. Right. So maybe not he's that a, much. Hemlock cones. Yeah. 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 But it's something crazy, right? Like that. So hearing them talk about those numbers is like a different <laughs> mindset, right? Yeah. Well, Rob's the same way because he's got to pay. I mean, he had like he was telling me at one point he's like, yeah, I got like fifty grand in payroll every two weeks or something like that. Oh. And yeah, so it's like I mentioned it to him one day, and he was like, honestly, man, it doesn't stress me out because. As long at the end of the day, as long as I've got my wife and my kids and we've got food on the table and a roof over our heads, I don't give a fuck what happens Yeah, because it's, that's all I need at the yeah. end of the day. And when he said that, like it just like it takes all the fear of failing away yeah. as long as you know, like, hey, I'm going to be all right at the end of the day. At the end of the day, this is just business. Mm-hmm. And I've still got my family or I've still got this or I've still got that, whatever your, your why is. But when he said that, like it really changed the way I thought about stuff. Um, Cause I'm not, you know, I'm not having to worry about anywhere near that many expenses as he is, Yeah, you know, and he's doing it without even sweating. And it's just yeah. like, look, man, something happens. It is what it is. Now I will say too, Rob has some crazy stories. Like he is. So is Brian. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Perfect example. Both of them have been through so much crazy shit that, and he's, Brian's the same way. He's yeah. like, man, I don't even care about money at this point. It's yeah. about my daughters and my wife. Yeah. And both of them throw around big numbers and I'm sure it's still stressful, but they handle it because they don't get wrapped up in it. They know mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they got other, they got their stuff holding them down. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy. that was a shift, man. That was a big shift for me. Yeah. And I think something else that's kind of under, very underrated for that, as far as going out on your own is people's significant others, whether it's girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, wife, husband, whatever it may be. Um, I feel like that is very underrated, you know. Um, it's hard to say, hey, I want, I want to go start this company, and then you're sitting for others like, no, like, I wouldn't do that, blah, 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 blah. That's not a good idea. How are we going to afford this? How are, like, you know, for me, I, I went to, you know, I was miserable, and I went to her one night, and I was like, hey, the, you know, I, I'm not, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to start my own company. She didn't hesitate. She didn't argue. She didn't bring up nothing she was like do it she's like you're good at what you do um yeah yeah i know you'll figure out how to make it work and that that is that is a huge like i can't even explain to you how much that means to people that are starting their own company like to have that confidence from your significant other or whatever um so if you are a significant other listening to this put some faith in in that person you know build them up um give them some encouragement because you know, they, they could be miserable and then I, you don't even see it, you know? Um, and, and if they do get miserable and they do show it, sometimes it's too late, you know, or if it isn't, then it it takes a long time to kind of get that fire back or to get that, you know, that support and that, that structure that you guys had built. Um, I definitely think that's something that needs to be talked about more, you know, especially from the entrepreneurial world. Like 
I mean, if you go talk to probably 50 entrepreneurs, probably 45 of them have been through some form of divorce or through some form of like really, really intense downsides in their relationship. Yeah. Um, because you don't wake up an entrepreneur as, as much people say you do. I don't believe that. I think it's based on like the things that you've gone through, the things that you've learned throughout your life, um, what you like, what you don't like, the relationships. I think it's all if I think you're built into it. Like you're molded into something. I mean, yeah, I think a, we have, a lot of the entrepreneurs have a lot of very similar as far as their personalities go. Like a lot of them are very ADD. You yep. know, they're very all over the place. Like they're doing multiple things at once. Like, but that's definitely something that I, that I feel like needs to be talked about more often. But no, that's real, man. It definitely does. And I think there's uh, the other side of that too is... You know, I think it's helpful when the spouse is a little more grounded, yeah. right? But but it's all in balance. Like you have to that that entrepreneur spouse, the person with ADD or whatever, they're all over the place. Like <laughs> you gotta let them fly. Yeah, you have to let them Do go through it. Yeah, but it is nice to see certain spouses that are not that way. Mm-hmm. They allow their spouse to do what they got to do, mm-hmm. but they're still grounded because I think at the end of the day, yeah, guys like me and you probably do need to have a little bit of, you know, something holding us down at the end of the day. Cause our fucking heads are in the clouds all the time, Yeah, oh, you know, yeah. which is what gets the vision going, right? Yeah. It's what, it's what leads the way. But to the other side of that, I think it's helpful when spouses are a little more grounded, but they don't restrain or restrict the creativity and the thoughts and the confidence that their other, uh, the spouse is having. Oh, for sure. And I mean, I mean, it's, it's funny cause like, you know, Alyssa and I will sit on the couch at nights and you know, she'll talk, she'll, she'll talk to me and I'm like either, you know, replying to a customer or I'm texting somebody or, and we're watching TV and, like I'm, I'm listening and then she talks to me and she's like, you weren't even listening. I'm like, yeah, well, doesn't I repeat what she said? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's just really funny. Cause like your brain likes doing so many things at once and like, they just don't see, they, they don't see it the same way, yep. but she knows me. I've been like that my, you know, since we met, but now like she sees it going towards before I was just like all scatterbrained and wasn't doing shit with it. You know what I mean? Now she sees like the work that's, kind of behind the scenes and the stuff that I'm doing and like how long of days I'm working and stuff like that. So she just, she knows what's going on now. So like, she doesn't get as frustrated. Yep. Now she's kind of like, lets me do my thing when I'm done. Then like, you know, it's all in communication. Right? Exactly. And shoot, I, I've been single for like over three years now. But, um, one thing I picked up on just from people at apex is a lot of, a lot of people in apex are married. Mm-hmm. And that's a very big topic is how do you how do you succeed in your marriage and succeed in business? Yeah. And it really all comes down to communication and uh, make and making it a priority and doing things intentionally. Like I know Stuman, for example, he's like one date night a week, yeah. non negotiable, like no kids, like we're going out. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I think that's huge. Yeah. It's like you reserve that time, you, you you're intentional with your time. And you get what you need to get done. That way, when you go on date night, uh, you can shut the phone off and just yeah. be there. Just, yeah. And beyond that, I know people are doing like all kind of stuff. It's really cool to see the the couples in Apex and yeah. how they interact and yeah. and take care of each other. 
Yeah, for sure. And it's cool to see like the women's side of it too, Mm -hmm. you know, that are bringing in like, it's cool to see their side of it, you know, like instead of, because I know my side, but it's cool to see the women at Apex like posting stuff here and there about their relationship and kind of what's going on. And it's like, oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. They created a whole, um, one of my friends, Taylor Feimster, created a whole separate group called Apex. what was it called? Recovery? Was that huh? it Apex Recovery? It's not Apex Recovery. No, no, not that one. Okay. It's like that, but it's for spouses. It's called like Apex. Okay. I know you're talking relationships about Relationships or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, she created a group specifically for that. And basically, anybody that's married in Apex, they hop in that group. And that's all they're talking about is how to succeed. That's cool. In your relationship at the end of the day after you put in however many hours in your, <laughs> your grind. <laughs> that's cool. So. We went off a little tangent, which is fine. But we're, we're, um, so back to kind of real estate, and um, I kind of just had some questions, just that that I had, you know, kind of thought of while you and I had, you know, sure. kind of worked together. Um, so with right now, with like the way the market is and everything, everyone knows that it's a seller's market, correct? Sure. So with that being said, like, how are you coming up with like? A, like a good figure to list a house at like I mean obviously I know you're looking at kind of like the neighborhoods and stuff like that but um, like how do you kind of judge what's a good price what's too high what's too low like are you just in the middle I mean how yeah. do you kind of figure that's that out that's a damn good question and honestly a lot of people missed the mark on this um, there's a lot of data out there now a lot of special like calculators and estimates and you know <laughs> stuff we've heard of right, right. that it's just an algorithm that crunches very basically those algorithms they only look at number of bedrooms number of bathrooms square footage and it has to be in a certain a radius Lot and that's sizes. it man not even that like really? there's a lot they do not take into account so those oh, wow. values um i don't know how long it's uh it's actually been a couple years since i saw this so i don't know if it's changed but i do remember at one point on Zillow's own website, it's their disclaimer was, hey, our estimate is accurate within 10% of the actual value 55% of the time. <laughs> so just over half of the time, they're right within 10%. 10% is That's massive huge, when you're talking. Dude, yeah, huge. In real estate, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because you're talking 10% on... Now the average price in Atlanta is three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, so you're looking at that's a big sweat. That's <laughs> so. Anyways, um, that's kind of like behind the scenes. But how do I price a home? So the first thing that I do, and I remember this from getting my degree degree at real estate. Shit, my degree in real estate at UGA. They always used to say real estate is local. Right. And that phrase just means that what is next door to you has more weight, more of an impact on your value than what's down the block. Right. So a lot of people try to price homes based on like a two mile radius, which doesn't seem like a lot, but it's huge. That's That's a huge radius. Right. If you've got enough data. So most places here in Metro Atlanta, it's neighborhoods and stuff. So you've got enough data in a a market like this where like a lot of people have been selling Mm -hmm. um i don't even look at six months anymore i'm looking at 90 days max right and then um from there 
if there's enough data within the neighborhood itself, I have no reason to go outside the neighborhood. Right. No reason. Right. So I'm doing like a quarter of a mile radius. If it's a big neighborhood, yeah. half a mile. But I'm looking in that neighborhood and I'm seeing what's sold in the last 90 days. I'm seeing what's on the market right now. I'm seeing if there's any coming soon listings to the market. And I'm seeing what's under contract right now. Right. And from all of that, you can extract so much freaking data. Yeah. Because what you want to do is you want to get the most accurate estimate of the value. Mm-hmm. And um, do, going deeper into that, again, your s- small radius in the neighborhood, um, you see all those properties. So now you have a list of everything in the neighborhood that sold in the last six months, uh, I'm sorry, 90 days, or is currently on the market, or is under contract, or is coming soon. Now you get a list. From that list, then you narrow down based on bedrooms, bathrooms, right? Square but it, footage. Then it goes even deeper than that because I'm like you're like if you rebuild a master bathroom or you rebuild your master bathroom, like all that stuff comes into effect too. I'm sure. Hundred percent. So that's the thing is you don't want to narrow down too much, right? Um, but you do like if I'm in a if I pull up a neighborhood and now I've got a list of like thirty properties, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm gonna narrow down narrow right. down to the ones that just have four bedrooms if the subject property has four bedrooms then once you narrow down and you've got a a shorter list i go through every single listing photo by photo and i want to see what the finishes are in the house what the floor plan what the layout is what did they do to the basement is it unfinished or is it finished does it have a basement is it um you know, is it, what's the backyard like? They got a fenced in yard, or they got a new roof. Like there's all these little things that come into play. And a lot of it is not so much adding value or, or subtracting value. It's actually adding or subtracting interest from the buyer, if that makes sense. Speaking of interest, I'm assuming that one of the most, the most important parts of that is photos and videos. Yeah. So like when I'm pricing out the house, people get caught up on, oh, it's got a new roof or, oh, it's got a new HVAC or, oh, it's got granite versus, you know what I mean? They get caught up on these little things and there's something to be said about that, but it's not necessarily like the appraiser isn't going to be looking at stuff like that. Right. I mean, they, they do to a certain extent. Don't get me wrong. Right. But where that comes more into play is buyer interest right. and that goes hand in hand with your photos and your videography yeah the name of the game is price it what it's worth once you come to that value that's where you start uh in a hot market you can put a little bit of premium on that mm-hmm. 5k 10k max right you never want to be overpriced you never want to be underpriced obviously the name of the game find out what it's worth a little bit of premium on it have it like the photos and the videos are just so freaking amazing that people got to see it yeah nowadays on your online presence is so damn important i can't stress it enough yeah like people are just in this scrolling mentality now thanks to facebook and social media they do the same thing when they're browsing homes if your first photo is not absolutely jaw dropping they're just scrolling to the next house down the street and you just missed out on a buyer yeah so when you price it correctly and you position it correctly both in terms of 
inside the home and out. So in terms of the staging and the photos, then you can put it on the market and ideally you should have a high level of interest. If you have a high level of interest, you'll have a good amount of showings. If you got a good amount of showings, you'll have a large number of uh, buyers that want to submit offers. Mm -hmm. If you've got multiple offers, then you're absolutely going to end up with a higher price than what you're asking for it. Okay. But if you overprice it from the very beginning, yeah. And maybe you don't position it correctly or have the right photos, then all of a sudden you don't get any interest or you only have one or two people that want to put an offer in on it. Right. And now it's not as competitive and people aren't stupid. <laughs> if a house is on the market for 15 days now yeah like people are like oh we're about to we're about to lowball them <laughs> this, is, this has been on the market forever what's going on what's the f- fastest house you've seen sold like in the past year same day like post boom sold <laughs> yeah and i will Holy say that, that that hasn't been that hasn't been my my listings yeah i've seen other agents do that yeah and when people do that they leave money on the table Really? So while I have seen that happen, I'm not recommending it. That's not like a hurrah moment that you saw. If you post and sell on the same day, that's not a good money. thing. You're yeah. leaving money on the table, yeah. 100%. Because you want it to be almost a bid more nowadays, almost. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, that's how you're going to get the most money. Yeah. Right? Like, it's supply and demand. Right. And everything in real estate is supply and demand. The pricing, the overall market, even on a micro level, getting the best money for your house, getting yeah. the most money for your house, it's supply and demand. Yeah. You're gonna get more money the more demand you have. Well, and like you and I have even talked about it. Um, it's, Atlanta's one of those places, I would say Atlanta and and Florida both, and even Texas, they're, they're those states where everyone's starting to move to. Oh yeah. Um, Atlanta, you know, Savannah, um, different parts of Florida, Texas, that's kind of where everyone's tending to move to, and it's been getting is revolvingly getting worse. Um, but at the same time, it goes back to that supply and demand. Like, yep. everyone keeps talking about this market, this market, that. It's like, yeah, the market. I mean, the market's crazy right now, but all these people keep flooding in. It's not going to change. Yep. You know, um, from a selling standpoint, it's great, but from a buying standpoint, like. How can you, are there any steps you can take to like, to help limit the damage from what, you know, from, from buying a house now? Is it, um, is there anything you can do to kind of, or is it just pretty much a bidding word and you just, it is what it is kind of thing? There's definitely some things you can do. Um, but at the end of the day, yes, it's more expensive to buy, mm-hmm. not in terms of, cause here's the thing. Your interest rate determines your payment way more than the actual price. Right. For example, a house that's two fifty and a house is three hundred, like the payment's not that different, you yeah, know, because it's spread across thirty years. Right. But you go on a three hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollar house, you go from three and a half percent to four percent. Yeah. It's a bigger difference. So, yeah. um, it's still a great time to buy. It's going to be great, I think, in Atlanta more so than other markets, just because, like you said, people are flooding in, Mm -hmm. comes down to supply and demand. Atlanta has room to grow. We're still a low cost of living compared to other states, other cities. So people are going to continue to move down here. So if you're buying, I don't think you necessarily have to worry about um, your values as much. Like, 
I think it, we're still going to appreciate simply due to the fact that more people are going to move down here. As a buyer, what you have to worry about is um, if you're on the fence about it, why would you want to buy a home that's just going to be more expensive? Because we know the rates are definitely going up. Yeah. Um, a good buddy of mine is predicting that we'll finish the year around 3.75. Mm-hmm. Whereas right now they're they're already like they fluctuate every day. Sure. Mm-hmm. But we're already like hitting that now. Yeah. So just in the last like two weeks, oh, we've seen a spike. Crap. It'll settle down. Right. It should settle down. But we're um, expecting to probably end up the year around 3.75, 4%, mm-hmm. which over history, shit, our parents are buying homes with like 12% or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Maybe, our, maybe not our parents, maybe our grandparents yeah. or something. But yeah, interest rates were 16%, you know, at one point. So yeah. 4%, that's still a great rate. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. But if you can get it at 3.5 or 3.75, go ahead and do that. The thing with buyers right now is you have to have more cash than you used to have. Right. Historically. Because of the bidding that's kind of going on. Exactly. Like you're pretty much not going to win, get a house unless you're getting cash offers from most point, for most part. Not necessarily. You don't have to do a cash offer per se, but you have to be willing to ease the concern of the seller and you have to be willing to essentially try to mimic the benefits that a cash offer provides. So like closing costs and like all that, like you have to pay for all that type of stuff. Pay for your closing costs. If you can get some of your closing costs, which I've done it with some clients Mm -hmm. where they get some money from the seller to closing costs, but it's still freaking rare. Yeah. Like it's a handful of clients. Two years ago, that was a different story. It was normal. (laughs) I was getting 10 grand for buyer clients for their closing costs, like left and right, like it wasn't shit. Right. Um, so be prepared to pay for your closing costs and have some extra cash to make your offer stronger. So what I mean by that is the sellers, once they've got multiple offers on the table and all of them are over the list price, then they start looking at things like financing contingencies, appraisal contingencies, stuff like that, where a cash offer doesn't have those things. So if you're financing um, you probably, you don't have to have them. It puts you more at risk if you don't have them. But even if you can't just like say, hey, we'll do no appraisal contingency, if you can at least say, hey, just to give you some peace of mind and make our offer stronger, if the appraisal comes in low, we're willing to pay X amount out of pocket to cover a difference in cash at closing. So maybe as a first time buyer, like you can't just waive all these contingencies, but you can say, "Hey, I've got three thousand bucks. I got five thousand bucks. I'm prepared to put up, and you know, if it comes down to it, I'm prepared to put that towards the house." Or there are things you can do, but um, you got to save up cash as a buyer. The okay. days of like no money down and like yeah. all that stuff, it's it's and gone, dude. That's crazy. Um, Unless you do now, I will say. If you can get in like a USDA loan right. or a VA loan, um, maybe there's some other programs out there where you can do less money down. But mm-hmm. even in those programs, VA and USDA, where you have no down payment, you still got to have your closing costs and you're still going to have to have a little extra to... What's kind of the rule of thumb for like a down payment on the house, like percent, like 10, 20%? Like- Depends on the program, but it's most people are going to be three or three and a half or five. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. That's such a misconception about, like, I saw some guy, like, some well-known stock guy post on Twitter the other day, and he was like, oh, you're going to have to put down, what do you say, $40,000 on a $400,000 house? I was like, why? (laughs) Nobody's doing that, bro. Like, who's doing that? That's crazy. So, I guess another question I have was um, from, like, a staging standpoint. Um, You know, what are things that you should worry about? What are things that you don't really necessarily have to worry about? Like, um, Like, how intense... Like, I know some people aren't... Are they still getting appraisals? Does every house have to have an appraisal? Or how does that work now? If you're financing the house, you have to have an appraisal done. Okay. Yeah. If you're paying cash, you don't have to have one. So, yeah. Now, in the height of the pandemic, when things were just like... Crazy. Really unforeseeable. We didn't know what was going to happen. There were definitely moments where the appraisers weren't going into the house. They were doing like drive-by appraisals, desktop appraisals. Uh, In some cases, no appraisal. They were doing, they were waiving the appraisal, but that's on the lender to make that decision. Right. um, Or the appraiser to make that decision, not on the buyer. That's crazy. So with, so like from a staging standpoint, like what, like what are some things, like what are the most important things that you can do for staging your house to, to sell it? Um, so when you, when you think about staging, you're thinking about two things. Number one, your online presence, right. meaning having amazing photos. Photos, videos. That you can't have amazing record. photos if your house is in, you know, disorder. Right. Um, and secondly, when you think about staging, you're thinking about making it a pleasant experience for the buyer walking through. Buying a home is very emotional. It's, it's very like... There's a lot going on in your head when you talk about buying a home. Right. When you're in a home, number one, you have to be comfortable. It's someone else. You see someone else's stuff. Like you see their stuff in the closet. You see the way they live. Like you've got to be able to look past that. Yeah. And vision yourself in the home. Envision yourself in the home. Right. In order to do that, number one, you got to be comfortable. So if you walk into a house... You don't want any weird smells or anything that's going to be off-putting, right? Right. So you want it to smell nice. You want it to look nice. You want, you don't want things to be cluttered. Like if someone is thinking, "Wow, these people, I can't believe they live like this," that's distracting them from the actual house. Yeah. You don't want to do anything to distract them from the house. Um, get the dishes up out of the sink. Like it's simple stuff, but it all adds up and makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Um, with staging as well like it's not so much about the furniture you know as it is about just making sure things flow nicely right you uh, and you can't so anyways backtracking but it's it's got to be a good presentation for the in-person visit and it's got to be amazing for the photos and the, would, the online visit. I would say the online would have to be more more important, wouldn't it? To get that initial, the first initial step. attention. Yeah, that's that's the first impression, yeah. you know, is that uh, your photos and videos. Okay. That's awesome, man. That makes sense, though. It's like, it, it's not so much about, it's, it's more when you go in and stage a house, you're looking for things to omit or remove more so than you are to add if that makes sense right right so kind of going back to like the entrepreneur side of things um 
there's two things that I usually always ask the people that come on. And one of them is for people that are just starting in business, what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody that's kind of just getting into it? Get a network like ASAP. Yeah. <laughs> I had a like, feeling you are going to say that. Get plugged in. <laughs> get plugged in because like I said, from... 2017 to 2019 I literally beat my head against the wall like it was miserable dude yeah it sucked and uh, a lot of it was I wasn't in the right environment Mm -hmm. I was around people who had they didn't have any of the same ambitions or desires and I just felt lost you know alone so if you can get in a community that supports your thoughts and your feelings and what you're going through you're gonna, man. You're, you'll pick up that momentum way quicker. Yeah, because it all comes down to mindset and belief. Yeah, right. Everything comes back to that. I couldn't imagine if I if Apex if I would have joined Apex, you know, like when I first started about starting a business. I mean, I like I would have done it probably ten years before I started my company. You know, I would. The times wouldn't have been as tough when I first started the company. Um, you know, I left and I mean, I'm, the way I did it was re, was super stupid. You know what I mean? Like, I don't recommend anyone doing it. But, you know, I like when I left, I had like maybe five grand saved up, you know, like I had hardly any money saved up to, to run a company or, or to have a safe net or anything like that. Um, but just if I could have been in that group of people, you know, when I started the company, I, I can't imagine the difference that it would have made. You know what I mean? Yeah. It um, literally speeds up time or collapses time. Right. If that makes sense. Like yeah. you make those quantum leaps being around the right people. And what I'll say too is like, even if you can't just go out and join a mastermind and pay for that, like yeah. you can manufacture an environment. Oh, now sure. it's never been easier to like watch YouTube videos about motivation and yeah. Uh, listen to podcasts just like this that you can actually surround yourself with the right people Mm -hmm. without even knowing or even having uh, been able to meet those people simply because of stuff like that so and it's crazy like if people follow you or Todd or myself or whoever you know whatever I mean there's obviously levels of entrepreneurs you know there's some that make six figures a year or something made 10 figures a year you know but from what I have seen and what I have found they're all super good people you know if you come to them you just ask them ask them some questions they're gonna they'll, they'll they're willing to help you the biggest thing that you have to get in your mind is that when you ask for help you better make damn sure that you've done your work before you ask for that help because we we've done a lot of work to get where we're at and you know I just saw it yesterday. Todd and I talked about it. This this guy reached out to him. I guess he had started like a small roofing company somewhere in the country. Guy reached out to him and was asking him these questions, this, that, and the other. And Todd just asked like one simple question back. Like, hey, nice to meet you. You know, no, you know, yeah, we can. I can help you out. Whatever. He asked one question, and the guy would rather ask him for the information than to go Google it and trying to find the information out. So like. If you're gonna ask another entrepreneur for for information, do your homework. Like show that you know you're actually trying and and that thing. But if if you show that and you show that you've done your back work, like ninety percent of us are gonna respond and, and like, hey man, like yeah, no problem. Like let's meet up and 
you know, that's kind of how you and I became friends. Like we met that sh- one time at that, I guess, live event or whatever it was. Yep. And we're like, dude, like let's meet up for coffee. And then that's kind of how we became friends. Like if you've, even if you don't own your own company and you say, Hey, I've got this idea. Like we want to start, like we're all going to be like, yeah, man, yeah, that's badass. Let's, let's, let's do it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. um, it's a big support system. So if you can build that, like before you start your company, it's, it's going to help you tremendously in the long run. Yeah. I was um, literally talking about that yesterday. Like I'm going all in on collaboration this year. Yep. Just like I'm, I'm trying to help out everybody with, nothing in return and going back to the um the environment too like outside of the mastermind outside like you just have to know what to look for you Mm -hmm. can find it if you want to get in the right environment there's never been an easier time to do that there's Mm -hmm. facebook groups and there's all kind of free shit that you can do like even the brokers that i work with i'm i'm plugged into like now i'm plugged into like three different facebook groups with ballers dude like really awesome real estate agents and I didn't pay for that, you know. I can go in that group and ask any, literally anything, and I'll get a response. Right. You know, so it's you don't have to necessarily pay for everything or being like a, a high level mastermind to get around the right people and get the right influences. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you've even got your own groups that you started. Um, I've got a couple of groups that I've started. Um, you know, one of them with Todd. Um, I mean, it doesn't cost you anything to be in our groups. Like, you can come in, and everyone in there is going to be super cool. Yep. Super supportive. They've been um, through it. Yep. They've All been of, through it. Yeah. So, it's super cool. The The last thing, um, kind of closing out, one of the last things I usually send changes order occasionally, but for this one is, like, do you have a morning routine? And if so, what does that kind of look like? Morning routine? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know you and I discussed it. you not an early waker, but then 75 hard kind of changed that, I guess. Yeah. So I had always wanted to be an early riser and could never make it happen. Um, and, of course, even nowadays, like, shit's not easy. Like, it's not <laughs> automatic for me. Right. And I have, I have some days that are way better than other days. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, 75, 75 Hard helped with that. And I didn't start doing it until after 75 Hard. I read a book called The 5 A.M. Club. And uh, I was listening to that book as I would do my outdoor workouts for 75 Hard. And then after I finished it, uh, about in May, I just decided, like, that's the cool thing about 75 Hard is it builds up your willpower to where when you say you want to do something and you start working on it, it actually makes it easier to accomplish that because you've got a higher level of willpower because you just created or you just completed 75 hard, which literally builds up your willpower from freaking day one. Right. So that's how it started. Um, now my morning routine is get up at 440. Well, starts at night. I get in bed at 10 and my phone's across the room. I've got my alarm set for 445. I've got my one of my buddies actually hooked me up with this idea. He's got uh, it's a smart light bulb that's connected to your phone on a timer. So what? yeah, I've got this light. It's just by Philips. Oh, okay. So this light bulb, I plug it into a lamp that I have across my room from my bed, and my lamp and my alarm on my phone both across you the room. Do a booby trap just to wake up every morning. Hell yeah, bro! <laughs> you gotta do what you gotta do. But the light. And my phone go off at the same time. 
So at the same time, I'm waking up to a bright room and the most annoying fucking alarm that I could find on my phone. Oh, I couldn't do that. I'd be raging every morning. It makes me jump up, dude. <laughs> I jump up. I go shut it off because I'm embarrassed at how it sounds to like my roommates. Basically, I go shut it off real quick, and um, that's it. From there, I, I just get dressed and I go straight to coffee. Mm-hmm. Like that's what gets me going is coffee. The house of coffee. Once I'm awake, <laughs> yeah, it, it will. The samples that I've had, oh my god, they're incredible. But once it's here next month, absolutely, that'll be part of the morning routine. <laughs> But for now, it's other less stellar coffee products. But um, that's what does it. Once I'm like up on my feet, I go straight to get coffee. That's part of my routine. As I'm drinking my coffee, I read for 30 minutes. And then once I'm done with that, I get some like reds and greens or like a pre-workout or something. Mm -hmm. And I go to the gym, work out, come home, get in the shower, get ready for the day. And then I'm in my office ready to knock out whatever. Nice. So usually that that's from 4.45 to usually about 8, 8.30. Nice. Yep. That's awesome, man. Well, I think it's probably about an hour now, so we'll go ahead and close it out. Um, Chase, I mean, I'm sure you'll be back on um, when next time we'll have some, some video, hopefully by – next week or at least the week after i have that two camera set up so we can start doing some some video stuff as well but um i appreciate you coming in and i'm sure you know if people are wondering about real estate stuff this would be a good episode to listen to because there's a lot of information so absolutely I appreciate you coming out and we'll talk to you soon man yeah man thanks so much appreciate it